Well, we continue our series with Jesus, A Journey Through Lent. Today's message is entitled, With Jesus As We Serve. This is Faith Promise Sunday. Our missionary council decided that this year we would do Faith Promise in-house. Now, I kind of argued with that a little bit because I knew that that meant that I would be doing the Faith Promise. I'm not a missionary. I don't have a missionary story to tell you. And so I felt a little bit uncomfortable doing Faith Promise. But we've had a lot of missionaries throughout this year, and it seems fitting that, that we would do a Faith Promise in-house. And so it fell to me to have Faith Promise Sunday this year. And I have to tell you, as I've studied, as I've read a lot of stories about our church, I'm excited about what God is doing through the church today. I'm excited about how God is using you to make a difference in our world and in the kingdom of God. Today, I want us to spend a little bit of time evaluating our lives. I want us to look at the timeline of our lives. When I was 16 years of age, I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. On that day, I repented of my sin, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to change me. On that day, I became a follower of Jesus. I was a new creation. The old was gone. The new had come. In that moment, I was adopted into the family of God. In that moment, I joined the choir of the redeemed. I began this journey towards heaven. Well, today, all of us are called to a relationship with him. You see, it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart Have you asked him in? Is there a place where you can write a a cross, where your journey of faith has begun? Where is your cross on your timeline? Have you made a decision to follow him? Now, the central theme to today's message is this. Once you've accepted Christ and you look towards eternity, that time in heaven, what are you doing with the space between. What are you doing with the space between that moment when you accepted Christ and eternity with Him? You see, I am thankful for all that Jesus did for me on the cross. I'm thankful for the promise of eternity. But what about now? What do I do now in this space between? What is my purpose? What is God's plan for my life In this space between. What does this space between look like? I'm afraid that for far too many of us, what we put in this space between is religion. We think it's about jumping through a bunch of hoops. It's about doing several things right. It's about, well, religion. But the reality is this space between is not a moralistic kind of thing. This space between is about becoming more and more like Jesus. Being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Have you asked him to come in your life? Are you more than a fan of Jesus? Or are you a follower of him? 
You see, there's a theological word for this transformation that happens in the space between. It's called sanctification. Sanctification is simply allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us into the image of Christ in this space between. This spiritual transformation happens as we're obedient to the leading of the Word of God, as we're obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God transforms us into becoming the person He has created us to be in the space between. In fact, I think if we do anything less in this space between, anything less with our discipleship, anything less with our worship, anything less with the fellowship of believers, we make this space between all about us and not about God. But we are called to glorify God in this space between. I'm afraid that far too often in the church we make it all about us. We say things like, I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. I'm looking for a preacher that tickles my ears. I'm looking for a teacher that excites me. I'm looking for a music program that meets my needs. I'm looking for a schedule, a parking lot that best fits my needs. And we create a religion that's all about me and my wants and my desires But you see, our salvation is not about what we want. Our salvation is about glorifying God in this world. You see, if you don't believe that your salvation, your sanctification in the space between is about making an impact for God, then you have missed the point. You see, we have been called to make a difference in the world. And if we do anything less, we reduce our Christianity down to meeting only our needs. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Let's look at a few verses in the Scriptures. Matthew 28. We're going to go through them real quick. You don't even need to look at them. Just look at the PowerPoint today. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Acts 1, 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus said to his disciples, I am going to send his Holy Spirit, and he is going to dwell in you, and he's going to give you power and strength for the task that I have for you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. The problem is that we have this huge disconnect in the church between the grace of God, which we have received, and the purpose of God, which we are to accomplish. Yes, we are to receive the grace of God. We are to enjoy the grace of God. We are to understand His blessings, His joy, His peace. But we are called for a purpose. You see, we are to take this grace and become agents. Of God's grace to our world. Kind of cool, isn't it, teenagers? Think about that. Your agents. You ever wanted to be an agent? A special agent? Agent of God's grace. We are called to be agents of God's grace in our world. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. 
for I have redeemed you. Are you hearing this? We are the redeemed. God himself has redeemed us. For I have redeemed you. And we love that, don't we? We love the grace of God. I have summoned you by name. Wow. God, the creator of the universe, knows you by name. The scripture says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice, I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. He is summoning us by, summoning, summoning us by name. He's calling your name. He's calling my name. And we love that, don't we? We love the fact that God extends his grace to us. Then he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the river, they will not sweep over you. The scripture is saying that I will be with you through the deep waters of life. When you walk through the fire, you will not burn. The flames will not set you ablaze. I will be with you through the most difficult hours of your life if you'll let me. For I want to have this fellowship with you, this relationship with you. The scripture is talking about God's grace. It's talking about his redemption. It's talking about second chances for you and and for me. And this is really good stuff. And we love this idea that God pours out his grace upon us, don't we? But for what purpose? Look at verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Why were we created? Everyone whom I created. For what? For his glory. You see, we were created for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? It's to glorify God. It's to be agents of his grace in our world. In this space between, we are called to make a difference in the kingdom of God. To allow his face to shine upon us and to share the grace of God with one another and with our world. Look with me the story of Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, throughout the scriptures, we find uh, stories about God's love and his grace and how he uses common, everyday people like you and me to make a difference in the world. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a story about Nebuchadnezzar. He was a Babylonian king. He built this 90-foot-tall idol. It was nine feet wide. It was made of gold. And every time the music would play, they were commanded to bow down and worship this 90-foot statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused not to be uh, bowed down to the peer pressure. And they would not worship another god. Even though that they knew by not doing so, they were in danger of being thrown into a fiery furnace. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar kept to his word. He heated the furnace seven times hotter, the scripture says, and threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that fiery furnace. Daniel 3, 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. Why were they rescued? They were rescued because God had a plan. And that plan was to... Convince a pagan king that he was God and God alone. So that the Israelite people could retain um, their Jewishness. And they can continue to be a nation of God. There was a purpose. Psalm 67.1 says this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. 
We want that, don't we? We want the glory of God to just be poured out and lavished on us. We want to go to those services where the goosebumps just flow and woo! We want that, don't we? I mean, we pray for the glory of God. We want that. We want revival to sweep across our land. We want the glory of God. But it's not about us. Look at verse 2. That your ways may be known on earth. That your salvation among the nations. You see, God pours out His glory on us. He lavishes His grace on us so that we might become agents, secret agents of His grace in this world. You see, we all want that, don't we? We want His face to shine on us. But do we want it just for us? Or do we get it? Do we understand that in this space between, we are to be God's agents of grace in this world. And we are to make a radical difference for the kingdom of God in this world. When you think about our world, when you read the news, when you see the things that happen on TV, as you uh, watch some of the things that happen internationally around our world, the atrocities that go on every day, we realize that we need the grace of God. We need Him to move in our midst. We need the glory of God to shine on us. We need the grace of God to shine on us so that we can be a people of God who live out our faith and are agents of change in our world. Well, the truth is God has already lavished His grace upon us and His Son, Jesus Christ, and He has given us His Holy Spirit. Did you know that a billion people live on less than $1 a day in our world? That 27 million people still live in slavery? That 33 million people have AIDS? That 800,000 people are involved in human trafficking? This is a $9 billion sex trade. Most of these are young children. Did you know that every day... 25,000 children will die of starvation and preventable diseases every single day. That means that will happen tomorrow and that will happen the next day and the day after that. It's hard for us to get our minds around this reality in our world today. When we are in a world full of so much abundance, it's hard for us to realize that there are people who are starving and dying of preventable diseases at the numbers of 25,000 a day. I I looked just out of curiosity what the enrollment was in Fort Wayne City Schools in K through 5th grade. And I found that the enrollment was 15,324. That means in two days, every child would be gone. You see, it's hard for us to get our minds around some of these realities that happen in our world every day. It's hard for us to hear it, isn't it? It's the kind of things that turn our stomachs upside down and and makes us sick, and it should. In Calcutta, India, there are 20,000 men who seek the services of 6,000 young girls every single day. All across India, there are 10,000 of these 12 to 13-year-old girls who are abducted, dragged, drugged, 
terrorized and then locked in brothels and raped repeatedly day after day, dozens of times each day for 30 to 55 ruples a day, 12 to 13-year-olds. That's one U.S. dollar. These stories turn our stomachs. I don't know if you've heard about the Horn of Africa, but the Horn of Africa is facing the the greatest drought that they've had in 60 years, which has caused a great famine in our world today. The Church of the Nazarene is active and involved. It is affecting 12 million people in the Horn of Africa. It's one of the most serious hunger crises of our generation. I read a story in one of our Nazarene magazines about a little boy by the name of Omar. His story goes something like this. Omar was in Somalia, being raised by his father and his mother, and they lived in this little village. Well, militants came in one day and killed all the men in the village, including Omar's father. Mom was, of course, terrified, and the the militants said, we will be back in a few days to take everything that we want, including the food. When the day that the militants came, Omar helped his mother bury herself in a sand grave. She took a straw, a reed actually, to breathe through, and Omar finished covering her over. The militants came, and and she could hear the conversation as they asked Omar, where's your mom? You see, Omar's mom instructed Omar, give them anything they want, but don't reveal my location. And he said, she's gone. She's gone to Kenya to get food. They didn't believe her. They knew that he was lying, so they beat him severely. Where's your mom? And he yelled louder, she's gone, she's gone. And they beat him some more. Then the militant decided he would take a different tactic. And he held out a cup of water and a biscuit. And he said, where's your mom? to which Omar reached out his arm reluctantly and pointed to the sand. They dug her up out of the sand and they raped her multiple times. These are hard things for us to hear, but these are the things that happen in our world every single day. Every single day that kind of stuff happens in our world. And sometimes I find myself reading these things and I pray out to God, God, where are you? How can you allow these injustices to happen in our world? And I know intellectually, I I know that evil has entered into our world because of sin has entered into our world. And God has given us a free will. And I know it's because of evil men. But I find myself just like you praying, Lord, how can you allow this to happen? And when I stay there for a moment, I hear God say to me, Rex, I was about to ask you the same question. You know that an American churchgoer has a combined income of $5.2 trillion. That it would take 1% of that income to lift the poorest 1 billion people out of their poverty. That the average church in America gives 2% of its income to missions. And before you begin pointing fingers at the church, you need to understand that the average churchgoer gives 2% of their income to the church. 
So that means the American Christian commitment to global missions is 2% of 2%. That's six pennies per person per day. Just a little over $25 a person, a little under $25 a person per day. Are we okay with that? You see, the idea of missions is not meant to be a way of life. I mean, the idea of missions is not meant to be a calling. It's meant to be a way of life. For we're all called. We're all sent. We're all commissioned. We are in this mission together. We are agents of God's grace in our world. We're called to make a difference in the space between We are called to be his hands, his feet. We are called to make a difference in our world. It's the whole reason that the church exists. Well, this news has been hard to hear. But here's the good news. Your church is making a difference. You are making a difference. This year, your church will give 18% of its income to world missions. I read these numbers. They were emailed to me this week. And when I got them, I had to be honest with you, I just wept. I wept over your generosity. I wept over the reality that there are people who get it. That they understand what it means in this space between to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That we are an agents of God's grace. And that we are called to make a difference. So this year, $79,000 will go to our World Evangelism Fund. We have received $48,000 in offerings for our missionaries that are from this church. Those were the Riggins and the Rainies and the Norrises and the Falsnalls. When the, when the uh, Josephs went to India, we got around them and helped them with air travel and computers and, and the Wades and Linda Russell. It's been a great year for missions in our church, work and witness. A couple trips, one trip to Russia, the trip to Haiti. There's Nazarene disaster relief. There's all kinds of things that go into that 72,000. Special offerings. The Horn of Africa, meeting that need. And then, of course, the local compassionate ministries, Dare to Care, Care and Share, um, Care and Share, I meant Care and Share, and our food bank and bread ministry. You are making a difference. I write a lot of the checks to care for our people who can't pay their mortgages week in and week out. Oftentimes, there's no money in that account. But from time to time, as God supplies, we are able to meet needs according to the riches that God gives to us. And you were making a difference for the kingdom. Did you know that in 1994 there were 1.1 million Nazarenes in the church and our membership? Today there are over 2.1 million. Over 1 million in growth since 1994. Isn't that fabulous? You are making a difference. In the church today, there are 27,500 churches serving in 159 world areas. What does that mean? That means that we have 737 missionaries who are overseeing 159 world areas, which means we are present 
We have boots on the ground throughout the world, which means we are uniquely qualified to meet the needs of our world and our society because of the church. And you are making a difference. Let's look at a slide from Africa. Just our Africa region. One region. In that region there's 42 countries. Over a half a million members. 117 districts. 3,430 organized churches and preaching points. It's loca- there are 9,000 elders and 2,000 licensed ministers and 3,000 lay pastors. Over 6,100 enrolled in ministerial training programs. You see, when, when disaster hits, when famine occurs, the church of the Nazarene has boots on the ground. We are there. We're going into all the world. That's the call, isn't it? And because we are there, we are uniquely equipped to deal with some of these things that come along the way. So the general superintendent sent out a, uh, an email just saying, hey, we've got a disaster over in the Horn of Africa. People are starving to death every day. What can you do about it? And $800,000 has come in since September to December to meet that need in Africa. That's your church at work making a difference for the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I get really excited about what God does through us for the kingdom. Because of your contribution to World Evangelism Fund, Omar has somebody who's sitting beside him, counseling, helping him through his grief. You know, Omar could not even, could not even speak to his mom, could not even speak to his sister because he, he betrayed them. And so our African Nazarene University is training volunteers to sit beside those who are going through the grieving. And they've come alongside those who have lost loved ones through all this. They're helping them deal with gender-based violence issues, and they're helping them return back to their homelands. That's your church making a difference. Well, what about the human trafficking that you spoke about earlier? Well, you know, God lays things on your I can only mention a few things today because of time. But we could spend days talking about what God is doing through your church. Look at slide 80. Or Nazarene response to human trafficking. There was a couple just outside of uh, Thailand in Myanmar. They they had a burden for children that were being abducted and put into human trafficking, and they they just were broken over these lost children. And so they they opened a home called the Heavenly Grace Home. It's a place of hope. It's a place of healing. It's a place where these children can be rescued and renewed. And given a new fresh start and a new beginning in life. You know, we don't think much about human trafficking, especially those of us who avoid sexual perversions of any kind. I, mean, I have no contact with that stuff whatsoever. I'm void. I, until I started reading some of these things, I had no idea. And you're probably the same way. Did you know that one of the most active times for human trafficking in the U.S. occurs during Super Bowl Sunday? That week of the Super Bowl? Females are brought in from from all over the world into this host city. And, of course, our host city was Indianapolis this past year. Well, a woman who was involved in human trafficking in Columbus, uh, she was taken. And I know what it means to be taken. I had a young woman who was tricked into this prostitution before she became an adult and got involved in that. This woman was there, and she has a burden for it. And so she gathered together 109 volunteers 
from the church of the Nazarene. And they took labels and they put it on bars of soap. And they distributed those bars of soap into the hotels. You see, a bar of soap, that's a place where a woman can go. And it's the only place she's going to have privacy. And on that bar of soap, there was the hotline for the human trafficking number. They also distributed workbooks, notebooks, to each desk clerk. And in that workbook was some red flags, things to look for. But in addition to that, there were pictures of children who were missing. Well, one of the desk clerks immediately identified a 17-year-old girl that had been taken. And she said, she's, she's here. That night they rescued her. And she told of two friends and they rescued them as well. The hotline received 61 calls that week of the Super Bowl. Your church making a difference in practical ways. Think of our missionaries who are serving. Scott and Jenny Rainey pastoring a church. Life is good. Feel called. Sell everything. Move to Russia to serve in the CIS region. They will be in charge of discipleship and leadership development and theological training. Think of Scott and Jill Riggins. Scott and Jill, well, Jill was one of our kids right here. She was our pastor's daughter, felt called in the mission field, paid her own way to go as a volunteer in Papua New Guinea because she had a call to missions. Today she's serving in Johannesburg, Africa, alongside her husband and her boys. Connie and Lonnie Norris, who are in our, our field strategy coordinators for the CSI, the Commonwealth of Independent States, the former Soviet Union. I got this email from them yesterday. I think you'll want to hear it. What an adventure we are on. Yesterday, as Lonnie was speaking to a group of leaders, about 25, he was being translated in two different languages. Please pray for those who are translating. There are always mistakes. I pray that they understand the truth, Jesus. Many times as Lonnie spoke, I saw tears in many of their eyes. They asked about Jesus calling on their lives. About Je- they asked about Jesus calling on our lives. And what makes us leave our home, our family, and our friends? And Connie writes, it's oh so, so simple and yet so, so big. Jesus. Please pray for the national leadership and for them to answer God's calling on their lives. We talked with two sisters from a country I cannot name. They are holding a meeting in their apartment. A group of about 20 to 25 meet and they must whisper and walk lightly because above and below them are policemen living. And it is now illegal to gather and talk about Jesus. We will go there Thursday, pray for safety for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Also pray that they will have another place to meet. We asked them what a cost of a house would be, and they said 3000 to $6,000. Connie says they are asking for nothing. But what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking, Jesus? These are such precious people, she writes. I'm humbled to be here in their presence. Orlane and Janelle Fosnall, 
who are serving in Haiti. And our mission trip team just got back from the trip in Haiti. And, and they have a wonderful story to share with you tonight. And you want to come out for the banquet. We're going to have our children's choir and our teen choir. It will be a wonderful time. We've heard great reports as they built a medical clinic there. It's beautiful, this facility. And you'll want to see and you'll want to come tonight to be a part of this banquet as a part of this Faith Promise Weekend. Or Ken and Carolyn Wade who are serving in Kenya, Africa. When God closed one door, he opened another window, and that window was through the World Gospel Mission. So the numbers we shared with you earlier do not reflect the giving that goes to Ken and Carolyn Wade, but many of you give to them on a regular basis to support their ministry. You are making a difference in the kingdom of God. But here's some other ways that you can make a difference in the kingdom, in this space between. You can be involved in Adopt the Block. On May the 19th, we're going to have our uh, kickoff, Adopt the Block, and it's going to be an all-city-wide party, and you'll want to be a part of that. Our goal this year is to have 75 volunteers to participate in that. You can sign up on April 15th. You can get involved in hands-on homework. See Robin Schmidt. She has organized that. It's something the Lord laid upon her life, her heart, to do, make a difference in the space between, and they are making a difference one child at a time in this space between. Or you can be involved in the Nazarene Disaster Response Team. We have a group, a trailer, that goes out when tornadoes hit, when floods happen in our community, around our world, here locally. This trailer will go out. We are first responders. You can be on that first responder team. See Lynn Musselman. Lynn will help sign you up and get you involved. Or you can be a part of Building Hope. Dave Musselman, her husband, is in charge of that. It's a local ministry to the, meeting the needs of our community, building hope. Or you can be involved in the food pantry or the bread ministry. Donita Betts is in charge of, charge of that. Or you can go on a work and witness trip. This fall we're looking at the possibility of going back to Russia. We've been there a few times. Um, one of the houses that we went to on the last trip was this, a little tiny farm place out in the boonies of nowhere probably five hours outside of Volgograd, Russia. It's this little community, and the Church of the Nazarene is making a difference there. And they want to build a bathhouse because it's the only place that has running water in that community, and people come from all over, and they find hope and peace. They hear the Word of God taught, and, and we have this couple that has, a, that has opened their house to as an orphanage, even though we don't have an orphanage, it's a church there. You can make a difference. See, Don Glick, if you're interested in going to Russia, maybe in September of this year. That trip is just in the beginning stages. Our teens, they're going on a trip this summer, and our children are going to Cincinnati this summer. You can be involved in making a difference in your community. There are others who have felt in this space between that, what is my life all about? Kate's cart supplies free books to hospitalize children for their enjoyment. You see, Krista and Andy Lehman had it laid upon their heart that in this space between, they needed to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And so they organized Kate's Cart, and it's throughout our community. It's through, there's hospitals. I don't even know how many hospitals they're in now. But they've grown and grown and grown. And there are all these volunteers that share the love of Jesus Christ through this ministry. Or you could be involved in rescue mission. 
or the Hope's House or a Hope Center. You see, it doesn't have to happen right here in these walls or right here in an organization that we're a part of. You just need to be involved in ministering and with your time, your talent, and your resources, your treasures in this space between. Our church is in real crisis today. It's not the crisis that uh, the media has advertised or talked about. It's not the crisis of, the, of a decline of the church attendance in our nation, which is happening, by the way, especially in our traditional churches. That's not the crisis. The real crisis is that people are coming to church, but they're not being transformed into the image of God. They're allowing His grace to be poured upon them, but they're not extending God's grace as agents of God's grace to the world. Today we celebrate what the Lord is doing in the life of our church because most of you get it. And you're agents of change. You spend your life serving the Lord. And it's exciting, it's dynamic, it's contagious, and we want more of it. Your generosity is humbling to me. But what if a group of people would rise up and say enough is enough? What if a group of people would rise up and say, I want to be a secret agent, not a secret agent, but I want to be a special agent because there's nothing secret about it of change. What if the church would rise up and be the church? Do something in the space between. Extend the grace of God in your workplace, in your home, in your school, in your community. Be an agent of change in your world. One of the ways that it happens in the life of the church is through faith promise. It's our, all about our World Evangelism Fund. It helps us to fund missions work around the world through this faith promise Card. You can participate financially in helping others be agents of change in our world. 737 missionaries serving full-time in 159 world areas. I, would you put up the final slide? You see, the problem is um, the church has grown from 1994 from 1.1 million to 2.1 million. But over the last three years, there's been a $103 million drop in our income. Because of the economy of our nation. 95% of all the income that helps support world missions in our church comes from the United States. That means your church needs you to make a difference. Your faith promise card is a way that you can do that. When you think of those children, you can participate. Teenagers, I want to tell you something. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My pastor challenged me when I was a teenager to give, and I gave. And you know what that did for me? It helped me to become an active participant in the mission of the church. Even if it's 25 cents a week, it'll make a difference. But you need to be involved in missions. You need to be involved in, in being a part of God's kingdom's work. This faith promise is a way for you to participate in a tangible way in God's kingdom business. And you know what? It's not that the church needs your money. It's that you need to put your treasure where your heart is. And the question is, where is your heart? 
What is it you want to do in this space between? I'm here to tell you, when you put God first with your time, your talent, and your treasures, God will bless you. And there's a reward for generosity. There's joy when we live a generous life and we make a difference in the kingdom. And then when those missionaries come, they're not boring to us because we're a part of their mission. Hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, working for the kingdom in the space between. To God be the glory. Ushers, won't you come? We're going to collect your cards. I in no way want to guilt you into giving. I just want to challenge you to be participants, active participants in kingdom business, no matter how little or how much. God has blessed you, and you are a blessing to the kingdom. We have been saved for a purpose, so that we might be agents of God's grace. How are you using your time, your talent, and your treasures in the space between? What a privilege. What a responsibility. What an awesome task to serve our Lord together, arm in arm, shoulder in shoulder. You know, when Dave and Lynn go on a mission trip, I am with them even when I'm not there because they're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I follow them on Facebook. I watch them because we're in this together. When I get an email from Scott and Jenny, I am with them because they're with us. They are ours, aren't they? We care about them. What a privilege. What a privilege we have every single day in your life, in your acquaintances, in your world, to be agents of God's grace. Would you hug somebody this week? Would you wrap your arms around? I know, it's kind of strange. Okay, if it's unnatural for you, shake their hand and share the love of Jesus Christ. I appreciate you so very much. What a blessing you are. And my prayer is that God would bless you this week as you go from this place to be agents of change in our world. Let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you so much for the people of God. We are your people. And you want to shine your glory on us, not so that we can hoard it to ourselves, but so we can share it with our world. Would you empower us, Lord, as we go from this place to be agents of change, special agents. And we pray this in your wonderful, blessed name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.